in my profession. Plus, let's face it, medical school always looked hard. I mean, really hard. Law school looked hard, too. But at least with law school, I figured there was some (laughs) purpose of serving the greater good. Not that medicine doesn't do that. But with the law, I felt like, I don't know, there was was more... Uh, <laughs> there was more humanities bullshit floating around there that I could buy into than the hard chemistry that came with medicine. And maybe that's why uh, philosophy was always where I ended up. Why am I even talking about this? I don't know. Let's get to my list. Because what I wanted to talk about is... I know I'm banging a drum. But I've got to go back to the things that I... Number one picked up my phone. Sorry about that. All right. Nature does not look to me to be anything other than a product of exquisite harmony and balance and uh, even distribution of both give and take It seems to me that nature is the sort of metasystem, this planet's ability to synthesize a a system on which all things are being used, recycled, repeated, and brought back to life, and again and again and again, in a rhythm that has lasted billions of years. And so I try to think through how survival of the fittest, survival of the strong, fits into that. Because for me, it doesn't. In fact, it it so doesn't that it took me coming back around to the concepts that 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 evolutionary um, focus necessitates to think it could be wrong. I don't deny the science makes total sense. In fact, the argument makes sense that Life starts in rudimentary form, whatever that may be. And as conditions or experience or time itself extend, the, uh, the vessel in which life occurs grows more robust. Uh, and, and when you look at a world filled with everything from Ants to hmm, aardvarks to albino rhinoceros labradoodles to us humans. Well, at some point, it really is like the concept waiting to be discovered that anybody could have thought of. And so to believe that there is anything at work other than natural selection, we'll call it that instead of survival of the fittest, but that nature is somehow creating mutations that then either work or don't, and as the ones that work prosper and create more stability, they then create a new pool of, of, um, of strength in genetic assembly, which given enough time, we'll mutate through the process again, and we keep tearing up and up and up until all of a sudden we're fighting over whether or not you said milk duds or milkshake. Oh, milk dud milkshake? That's what I'm supposed to go get you? There is no such thing. I don't care what this theater sells. Don't ask for a milk dud milkshake. Go get it yourself. So, having brought the wrong snacks to this party again, I only brought Diet Mountain Dew. Well, yeah, that's all I got. Hang on. Actually, I need to pause for a second because I got to get something. I got two messages? Ah, okay. Oh, I'm handling the phone. Putting that down. 
Um, okay, before I go too much further, I do have to make sure that I haven't completely screwed up my recording. This is this is how bad it's gotten. I have to do mid-point checks because if things are not listenable, well, then they're getting thrown away and they're getting redone. So no more bad listening experiences. Here's my proof, or at least my... Is this my pudding? Probably. Hey, universe. Well... Uh, <clears throat> all right. Add that to the list of false starts. The problems in evolution are significant. And I am not a Jesus fish. But we can't have started from certain life and evolved into other forms of life without something coordinating it besides random natural selection. And I'm not here to say God intervened, but the evidence for some sort of genetic chromosomal intervention 200,000 years ago that fused our second and third and took away the 24 Turn it into 23. Well, nature spontaneously did that. Yeah. In one instance and one only. This instance, this one only. It accompanied an enormous leap in brain power. In this and in this instance only. And we just happen to be the recipients of all that natural luck. That proves we're so fit. Hmm. Sometimes the evidence and the story just get too mismatched to believe. I mean, if that structure is so big, it would have taken 26 billion light years to create well, then the universe has to be older than 13.5 billion light years. And you ask me to believe this point in the universe as we scale out the movement of everything around us. What we see is every other galaxy. It's not just moving away from us. It's accelerating away from us. Well, that is fantastic, because that means we're the center of the universe. Oh, no, it doesn't. Nope. In fact, the universe has no center. Well, but, uh, okay. Everything's mo moving away from everything else. Not just moving away, it's accelerating away. As if it just was blown out of a canyon into the expansive nothingness of space and is continuing to move out in that way and yet we can't originate that point of which it all happened because it's all moving away from each other at accelerating rates across everything? <sighs> okay. So then you bake a loaf of raisin bread to show me how it all works, right? Oh, so the universe is a loaf of raisin bread. Right, I get it. Um, and yet it's all moving faster than the speed of light. I thought nothing could move faster than the speed of light. Oh, well, there's this inflation part. There's this expectation then of exactly the composition of minerals detected. And it works out exactly for the, well, for two of the three. Get to lithium. Okay, so not only are we finding structures that, according to the models of how we understand matter to form and coagulate at the galactic level, are too big to exist over the time scale in which we believe our universe to have formed. We have not nearly enough of a base mineral, lithium, in this universe as should be here.
and we cannot explain anything rational about everything coming from nothing. I mean, that's leap number one. First of all, there was nothing. Then there was all of this. Okay. I'm all in. I say they know everything, and I need to know nothing more. Whenever somebody tells me that that's wrong, I'll tell them to piss off. Oh, I'll bet you don't even believe in the Big Bang. What, what you don't have a pile full of nothing you're going to turn into a universe? Because that's what we're going to figure out here, like, soon enough. That's what I'm told. That's where we're headed. <sighs> nope, nope, we're not headed there because all of a sudden it's like, wait a second, not only can we not entertain the idea that everything comes from nothing, that everything is expanding away from everything else at a rate that is accelerating, there is no center of this universe, that in fact, it seems to be breaking the laws of what we know to be acceleration due to gravitational force, so something else in this universe must be in play that we can't even detect. This matter energy, this force of repulsion, well, it's there because the math says it has to be there. So... How you feeling about our theory now? Oh, I'm, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I am loving it. Oh. I'm loving it like I love how there are no dinosaur bones in the throne rooms of Ethiopia. From the days of yore in Egypt. From the halls of Genghis Khan. Or the cache of Louis Fourteenth. I don't remember seeing any in the Mayan pyramids in the jungles. Do I remember the Native Americans swapping dinosaur bones for little boxes of trinkety shit from Europe? Nope, I don't. I don't remember dinosaur bones anywhere. Until two white dudes from the Smithsonian went looking for them. And all of a sudden found them everywhere they looked. So, I mean, that's freaking lucky, right? Considering we have an entire ancient history of mining for everything this planet had to offer. Hmm. I would have thought we'd have found the dinosaur bones before 1850. But I would have thought that if we were going to sell the Big Bang Theory like it was so much sauce of sanity that anybody questioning it was literally sliding down the slopes of insanity faster than they knew how to get there. Well, I mean, yeah, there's, there's a couple things we're still figuring out. <clears throat> but, you know, it holds up. It holds up, man. Holds up pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. All right, yeah, we're going to end up scrapping the whole thing, pretty much. But we just, uh, you know, don't tell. Don't, not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet. Go, uh, go take a paleontology class. There's much more structural certainty in what we reflect as our geological history. It's not just the woolly mammoths that make me question why... We're putting our energies to hiding the truth. It's the narratives we've made up to convince ourselves of something that isn't true. As if that is so ground in dogmatic fact that even the idea that you would want to know the facts that make it so well, that's offensive. Quit asking. No more questioning from you. Dinosaur bones? Well, it's not that 
those two white dudes in America were the first to find them. They were the first to recognize their value. Everybody else who ran into them before just thought, oh, look, it's more bones from um, uh, a, a cow, a deer. And besides, people did have, hmm, what did they have? They had animal skins. They had the skulls of birds and oxen and you're right. But they didn't have any dinosaur bones. And I'm not even really clear on how that fossilization process happens. I tried to look that up. Not easy to find out. You know why? I tried to look it up because there's cases of fossilization that include things like living tissue, plant matter. How does a, how does a frog fossilize? Well... It takes an enormous amount of pressure and an enormous amount of mineral consistency in his environment to provide conditions for him to be petrified. Same thing with plant matter, right? Well, pressure, heat, all that stuff comes into play. So why do we find so many fossilized prehistoric bones but we don't find anything fossilized before and in between that. And do you know that not a single complete dinosaur fossil has ever been discovered? Not one. And in fact, there are many recreations of entire dinosaur species that are based on less than two bones intact. Little scraps of jawbones, teeth, and a claw can be enough. That's silly. That's schadenfreude. That's the kind of lies that you're asked to believe if you're going to consider. Oh, crap. Well, speaking of considering, I got to go get a mop. Okay, universe. Consider this my attempt at consolidating the disparate loose threads I accumulated uh, Sunday, Monday into Tuesday. And uh, I would prefer not to just allow them to go into the pile of notes that I've created that are overwhelming me already. And... So what I plan to do is to flip-flop back and forth between that which I recorded and this recording, listening to that which I had recorded, until I can uh, uh, until I've accumulated something of value to share here. So that's my attempt to try. We'll see how it goes. Okay, first topic to cover. Uh... So Lily's birthday has come and gone, and this means that either she has moved on, and I will hear from her at some point in the future, or never hear from her again, or she's incarcerated, which is odd, because normally I would have gotten a letter from her, and I haven't, or she's in a lockdown incarceration, which could be either legal or medical, or she's in uh, worse straits than any of those conditions. And while obviously I have no uh, say in how Lily's life uh, will turn out, I am still uh, I am still sympathetic to her situation and would never wish her the kind of harm that the world can thrust upon people like Lily. So, for her birthday to have come and passed without her making contact is unusual enough for me to think the worst. And while I'm not going to confirm the worst, um, 
I'm going to stop uh, reflecting upon her distance from my life because at this point that distance may be forever. So that's point number one. As much as I will always have some place to remind Lily that life has a place for her, I'm not sure that my place in Lily's life hasn't come and gone. That said, let's see what else is of value here. Okay, to tie up the final uh, thread that is Lily, uh, I did have a call back in January to this day, March 29th, about uh, behavior modification for karmic um, leveling, or at least uh, a an end to uh, the karmic leaking that it was for me to be loose with cash. I have had no cash loss since, and uh, have yet to be able to sum that up because I haven't been able to speak with Lily, but I will just continue the same behavior until I see her. And uh, should we be having a discussion this time next year and still no sign of her, well, then I will happily divulge what behavior modification I changed. But without Lily here to uh, complete the circle, well, that one just stays in limbo, uh, or at least in uh, a trajectory now that is working. Whether or not that has anything to do with Lily karmically is hard to say. Uh, I mean, ultimately, at this point, one would have to say no. Nobody cares about that but me, so on to find something more interesting. I'll be back. Okay, well, the primary threads that I got distracted by over this 45-hour period of time were the ways in which censorship has reduced the, um, the variety of knowledge channels uh, that exist, and also the amount of manipulative uh, messaging that comes to us in ways we don't even recognize or even deflect. Um, and I'm, let me give an example on the first one that was truly, <laughs> it's not even unusual, it's just every time it happens, it makes me think, the extent to which you are being manipulated cannot be quantified because the manipulators have leaked into so many areas in which you are looking for the daily news, knowledge enhancement, growth in your overall appreciation of molecular physics. It matters not. The number of resources you have to turn to now are dwindling. And just Google anything. Google um, the, uh, what's an, the, uh, the 50 best hairstyles of the 20th century. Or Google the 50 greatest uh, sports moments of the 20th century or Google the 50 worst um, film moments of the 20th century. Pick anything. Pick uh, how to bake the best chocolate birthday cake. Now scroll down through the listings and see if by the 30th listing, page 3, you're not seeing exact duplicates of what you saw on page 1. And <clears throat> having been a search engine analyst at the time when Google was still fighting for territory versus Bing, Yahoo, um, hell, AltaVista, Dogpile, you name them. When we first started reporting on search engine results, we reported on 38 search engines. Google was one. Now, obviously, over the course of about two and a half years, that changed to, we report on Google and anybody else you're interested in, because Google's really all that matters. So in that time of Google taking the search engine market arena and throttling it, well, they 
have now taken what used to be thousands of results regarding the 50 worst moments in cinema during the 20th century. You want to talk about something where there are as many opinions as there are people willing to write the article? But not anymore. Nope. You'll find maybe six versions of that article, and that's it. And you'll keep seeing it recycled again and again and again and again. Under different variations of whether it's Vulture or Mashable or BeatTopic.com or who knows what. But it's all the same data. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if anymore it's being aggregated and created by computer algorithms entirely. And just repurposed and recycled into enough variety of versions that we can be placated to have gotten three versions of what are considered the 50 best hairstyles men wore in the 90s. Well, there were only like five hairstyles men wore in the 90s, so if you can come up with 50, that's awesome. My point is, it's not just opinion articles that are being reduced. The canon of what is being discussed in science, in hardcore science, is being reduced. They're just... There is a lack of access to the diversity of human knowledge that the internet opened up with an explosive <laughs> block party that said, not only am I in the neighborhood, but I'm going to change everything about the way you think about life. And for a decade, they were right. But now we see what censorship in America, censorship in America what this is this is what they sold us on being the difference between a free society and what the russians had to go through were things like they had to deal with censorship oh yeah of course <laughs> i don't know if i was told a single true thing about the russians but certainly the idea that censorship was a tradition not to be found in america well i'm sure now they teach the value and principle behind a society that knows how to censor information for the good of its own citizens or whatever stream of Calvin peeing on the back of a pickup truck sort of decal is now approved as <sighs> okay the other part about that thread was how hmm, entrenched we can become in information that we have gathered in a way that is nothing more than hearsay. What do I mean? Well, what I mean is <clears throat> I am so guilty of conditioning myself to think once I've gotten filled in on something from Sources I trust, including doing my own research, but most of the time not. And in fact, an embarrassingly high number of times, I am getting my position on a topic, or getting my interpretation of an event, or getting my take on a current social dilemma, from the reaction to the reaction of the team I know is wrong. What do I mean by this? Well, <laughs> no longer do you have to watch CNN to know what you're supposed to be thinking. No, you can just watch Fox and think the opposite. And to me... This is what's dumbed down America. Is not only am I no longer required to at least validate the position that my team has currently told me is the one we're going to take here. Let's say that we are going to oppose the uh, formation of uh, the Border Patrol Force called ICE. 
That's what the liberal conscientious press of the week tells me is our stance. Well, maybe that's what I found out, but maybe it's because I see the rabid, red-blooded conservatives wailing for more financing for these oppressive internment camps at the border where they are doing their best to keep the country pure of any brown-skinned Southerners who want to crawl up north and enjoy some American freedom. So if they're calling for an expansion of this, well then obviously I'm against it. So not knowing anything about what ICE is really doing, except it looks like they're raiding people and taking children away from parents, well, that's enough for me to know that whatever ICE stands for, I stand against it. Now, none of that's actually true. I actually have quite a bit more of a nuanced take on what's happening at our border because, frankly, that has been an inflammatory issue for a decade that both sides gobble up so the media shoves it down our throat. But it isn't unfair to point that reactionary take out as being how much of my current developed position in regard to my country's politics, well, that is kind of, that's more than kind of, it's definitely fair. I am a reactionary I have been conditioned to always fall in line with the generic against the right for the left, however the issue is framed, just send me the card that tells me which way I'm supposed to lean. And I'm not alone, in fact, I'm 95% of America because I don't have 60 hours this month to go find out what's truly happening in Sudan or to know the latest violent tension between Israel and the world or to know what exactly suffering is happening unjustly in some turbulent, soon-to-be-overthrown government in a country in Africa that I, I'm embarrassed to admit might as well be a question in a trivia game because all of my takes, all of my sense of this world and my contribution to it, it's candy. It's unearned. It's a position of the privilege of don't give a fuck. Now, that's a ter <clears throat> terrible thing to say about myself. So, can I be kinder than that? Well, first of all, let's see how true that is. How many countries in Africa do I think there are? I'm going to give myself a quick quiz. I'm going to say in Africa, over under, I'll set the over under at 40. And I'll take the under slightly. I'll say there are just under 40 countries. Somewhere between 35 and 40. That's my guess. I will say that in Africa, there are currently... Um, that I'll say that the, the average African uh, wealth, the, that the average uh, household income... I don't even know what I'm trying to say here, but let's just say that the average family of four wealth or individual wealth compared in Africa to America, 
I'm guessing that in America, it's somewhere around an individual has roughly $35,000 worth of value, let's say. An African citizen is going to have one-third that value. And my last guess about what I'm going to find out about Africa, I will say that in Africa, there are... Um, there are currently um, 25% of the entire continent living beneath the poverty line. Over under, I'll say that's over, but not over more than 10%. So there's my guesses. Let's go see how close I am. Okay, well, while I may not have fully earned the... Uh, I believe that our uh, education, like such as uh, South Africa and uh, the Iraq everywhere, like such as, and I believe that they should, our education over here in the U.S. should help the U.S. Uh, or should help us. I don't know if I've earned that award. I don't know that that award is even available to be earned. I think that award was captured in the moment and never to be claimed by anybody else. But in the beeping of my phone to remind me how... I am a numbskull. Here are my Africa results. There are 54 countries in Africa, including one disputed territory. And if you look back 10 years, there are 55 countries in Africa. So take that as you will. There are 40% of the population of Africa lives at the poverty line or below. And that's down from 53% in the 90s. So over 20 years, they have improved from 53% to 40%. I did not go to see if that means that the poverty definitions have changed to accommodate fewer Africans as defined in such category. Okay, and last but not least, um, <laughs> the net worth, individual net worth, average individual net worth of an African Versus the average individual net worth of an American, $121,000 to $1,900. So, as such, with the Iraq and to the children, save the children for the children, bless the children, says the oh-so misinformed, uninformed, and yet full of confidence that what I know, I know because, God damn it, I'm right, I'm an American, there's nothing more for you to even say in this conversation. So the whole hmm, Dunning-Kruger effect, the entire ugly American syndrome, the beauty queen panicking in the moment with a simple question about how dumb Americans are. Well, it's all my fault. I have nothing but regard for a global landscape of equality, opportunity, and achievement for all. And... I was 70% correct on my number of country guesses for Africa. I was 8% correct on my guess of the wealth gap between individuals in this country and individuals on that continent. And I was 66% eh, correct on my poverty guess. So, in a class with a kind professor, well, I'd be retaking the class with an F+. In a class with a delusional professor, I'd be passing the class with a D-. And in a worldwide school of knowledge and advancement while I'd be sent back home to America unwelcome until I had learned something about how the real world works. So, 
I don't know if it's worth mining in there for more, but I think I might use this technique tomorrow because I found this pretty productive. And if I can get through some of all of this, well, I think I can get through some of what I think I need to do here that I've been late getting to work on. But until then, I mean, at this point, it's late. Dog's sleeping. Hell, cat's even asleep. Ah, you're probably asleep. Okay, well, no more uh, pop quizzes for now. But the next point I came across that had... <clears throat> Sorry, let me put that down. That had merit for discussion is the uh, real-time unraveling of the Big Bang. And um, much in... Uh, first of all, let's just back up to the Africa pop quiz real quick, because if you had asked me going in what my confidence level is on my responses, I would have given you under 50%. Because... Sorry, that was a yawn pause. I was working on a data set that's, first of all, 25 plus years old, uh, not in any way uh, uh, picking uh, categories on which I'm well-versed. I don't know shit about the economy. I couldn't have even guessed what the median or the net worth, average net worth of an American was. $121,000 surprised me. I thought that was a lot higher than I was going to see. But if you take real estate out of the equation, then it's 41. That's still a lot higher than I would have expected to see. And even if you compare 41,000 to 1,900, well, okay, 20 to 1, 21 to 1, that wasn't exactly the, uh, the ratio of 3 to 1. So no matter how you look at it, that isn't even... <laughs> That isn't even a guess that I can, uh, well, that's my, the South Africa, the Iraq on the map right there. How can you be so ignorant as to not understand that your position in the world versus others' positions in the world are skewed at a, depending on your metric, 20 or 60 to 1? sort of sl uh, slant. Now, yeah, of course, everything in America costs more. Uh, there are multiple variables in play. But I'm only comparing apples to apples here. And these apples, well, looks like the ones in Africa. What do you know? Once again, covered in flies and rotting because the ones in America where all the nice ones went. Okay, that's... Don't take that last part seriously. I won't edit it out. But that's just residual American drip to the point of the Big Bang. The, <laughs> the further we can look into the universe, the further back in time, essentially, we're looking. And what that means is, as we are observing data coming in from distant, distant galaxies, we're seeing the beginnings of our universe. Because whatever's happening that's 8 billion light years away has taken 8 billion years to get here. Now, there are a variety of expansion metrics and other things in play that, um, that sway that data. So it's not a one-to-one -one, uh, making change at McDonald's sort of transaction. But the age of the universe... 13.7 billion, I believe is the current, or 13.78 billion years. Uh, I'm not going to go check, but that's close enough. It's irrelevant for the actual discussion. Well, that age is fairly well established based on the, the math in play to reverse engineer our current circumstance to the singularity that would be the Big Bang that's why there is consensus on that number, and it's pretty well agreed upon that by our dating method of the universe, well, 13.7, 13.8 billion years, that'll work. Well, if that's how long the universe has existed, then by the laws of gravitational 
attraction and every other um, physical law that allows matter to exist in this 3D space. There is a time limit on what can have happened. What can have happened has to have taken less than 13.7 billion years or we've got problems. Well, that's fine because until now, all of our data argued that 13.7 billion years, and I'm just going to use that number even if it's wrong. So give me some slack here if it's 13.8 or 14.3. 13.7 billion years of time is the linear track from A to Z, where A is the flash of the Big Bang and Z is the moment of me speaking to you right now. In that period of time has passed 13.7 billion years. And if you're going to build a galactic structure that is 6 billion light years across and is in some sort of synthetic ribbon of connection that took billions and billions of light years to create. Well, when that answer comes out to be, well, this son of a bitch is older than the universe. What do you do with that data? Well, you figure that you haven't got your structures correct. Something in the observation is wrong. Somewhere we've got a problem. But it's not with the 13.7 billion year age of the universe because that we've agreed. Look at all the data points that point to exactly that number. Yep, yep, yep. I'll go double check my figures because I'm sure my superstructure that would take longer than the universe has existed to form can't be right. But then more of these things start coming in and then more of them. And then we find stars with signatures that indicate they are millions of years older than what we currently think the universe's age is. All right. That's problem number one. Problem number two, where's all the lithium? There's plenty of the base elements, helium and hydrogen. As a matter of fact, it's exactly what we expect. So the fact that lithium is measuring, I think it's, uh, is it three? I can't remember if it's it, what it is, but I believe it's three, three uh, standard deviations from the number that's expected. I'm going to find this out because this is actually critical. That is correct. It was indeed a factor, or a, it is a standard deviation, three standard deviations away from the mean. And frankly, all of the incidents that have been discovered sit three standard deviations outside the mean. It is the clear flaw um, in the matter uh, formation of the beginning of the universe in the standard model. So I'm not sure that anything has been done on that. The data I looked at was 2019. And furthermore, um, the, the um, gamma ray bursts that have been measured by the same scale that they're using to measure uh, dimensions according to the Big Bang physics model, those gamma ray bursts would clock in somewhere between 80 and 120 billion years old. So again, anomalies that are so outside the mean look like problems gathering information, but that information has been verified hundreds of times. So then what's wrong with the model? And now that that great arc has been discovered, and who knows what the James Webb telescope is going to find. And this isn't even taking into account dark energy, dark matter, etc. So, when you come through a canon of knowledge that treats certain theories or platforms as so entrenched evolution that they can't be wrong we're just waiting for all of the pieces to fall into place to ultimately prove their veracity the big bang 
and then those become so unstable you jump off the platform supports for fear they will tumble really what do you do now of course the world went from flat to round to flat again or whatever I get that knowledge paradigms do shift but why aren't these shifting in the sort of responsiveness that they deserve why are we sitting around waiting for more evidence to stack up before we start coming up with alternative theories in a serious and progressive intellectual direction why aren't we doing that with Egypt? Why aren't we doing that with the megaliths? Why aren't we doing that across so much of the disciplines in which fundamental anomalies are present? Holding on to something because letting go of it is scary. I've never understood that. I have always been ready for somebody to talk me out of something I believed my whole life because they show me evidence to convince me there's a better way. How can we not all live with the idea that the only way we're trying to achieve the ultimate outcome here is to pursue truth and conviction at the highest level? Anomalies are either explained or they become part of the equation that now must be accounted for in any go-forward theory or hypothesis about technology, sociology, history, I don't care what. But if we're not going to accommodate new information into old models, then we're just going to be stuck with old models. And while being stuck with old models can be fun, that's not the kind of models I'm talking about. <laughs>